Oh, I, I am sure we will have no shortage of holiday rom-coms to explore. Right. Um, which I am very excited to do so. Yes. <laughs> You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and adult rom-coms. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, library manager and YA lit enthusiast, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm Maren Hageman, um, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here today to talk about the 2021 Netflix original, Love Hard. Uh, so we, uh, here is your spoiler warning at the top of this episode. This movie released on, I believe, November 9th. Um, certainly no more than a few weeks ago. Uh, so this is brand new, hot off the presses. And if you would like to watch it completely spoiler free, now is your opportunity to do so. We will be here when you come back. So a short synopsis of... Lo- well, so first, Love Hard, Dar, er, Martha, there is an order to these things. <laughs> Love Hard was written by Daniel Mackey and Rebecca Ewing. It w- It is directed by Hernan Jimenez, and it stars Nina Dobrev as Natalie, Jimmy Yang as Josh Lin, Darren Barnett as Tag, James Saito as Bob Lin, Rebecca Sta- Staub as Barb Lynn, Harry Shum Jr. as Owen Lynn, Althea Kay as Grandma June, Michaela Hoover as Chelsea, and a bunch of other people. Oh, I Maddie Finocchio as Lee, her boss, Heather McMahon as Carrie, the BFF, and then a bunch of other people. <laughs> Love Hard is the story of Natalie, who is so bad at going on first Tinder dates that she has created a writing career out of it. She is a columnist uh, under a pseudonym who writes about her bad date experiences and is presumably very, very popular. Uh, But she is also looking for her one true love. She would truly love to be out of the dating game uh, when she connects with Josh on her... It's not Tinder. It's a Tinder lookalike. Yeah, what are they... Um, like? Tinder or something? I don't know. It was I don't know. It's it's Tinder with the tags filed off. Yeah. So she and Josh make an almost instant connection. Uh only problem is she lives in California. He lives in New York. Uh and then after several weeks of uh really great chats, texts, um, just a really, really solid uh kind of virtual connection, Josh drops the line, wouldn't it be crazy if we got to spend Christmas together? Natalie decides that she is going to fly across the country and surprise Josh for Christmas. She is cheered on by uh, Carrie, her BFF, who we are going to return to in depth in a minute. Uh, And also Lee, her boss, who, again, we are going to return to, uh, flies to Lake Placid, New York, uh, shows up at Josh's house and finds out that the Josh that she has been talking to uh, with the very attractive kind of rugged hippie type photo uh, has been catfishing her. Uh, Josh is a nerdy, cute uh, Asian boy who 
confronting this is uh, the end of Natalie's world. Uh, but then she finds out that the photo he's been using is another gentleman in his hometown named Tag. And in exchange for the promise to set her up with Tag, uh, Natalie uh, agrees to pretend to be Josh's girlfriend for the duration of Christmas because he is tired of not measuring up to his family's expectations. Shenanigans ensue, and honestly, the rest of this movie plays out literally exactly as you think it does. Uh, Natalie has to keep the truth of her relationship to all of these people under wraps as she balances the uh, charade with Josh's family, which uh, they dig deeper and deeper and deeper to, up to and including a fake engagement. Uh, she and Tag have a developing relationship on the side, which involves her uh, lying about her interests the way that we all do on <laughs> virtual dating apps. <laughs> um, and it all comes to a head at the engagement party where Natalie spills her guts to the whole room full of people, um, is about to leave Lake Placid in disgrace, realizes that she actually has developed feelings for Josh goes back to his house, asks him to forgive her in a uh, tribute to Love Actually, which is his favorite Christmas movie. Uh, they kiss, and she does end up spending Christmas with him and his family. It's very, very cute. Did I leave anything out? I don't think so. I think that covered the big, the big plot points. So I am going to tell you something. Okay. I thought this movie was pretty cute. Oh, Okay. I thought this movie was pretty cute. I enjoyed my time watching it. Um, I will say I'm going to find somebody on Letterboxd wrote um, a sentence or two about this movie that I actually think perfectly characterizes it. Hmm. I should have pulled this up beforehand, but, you know, the state of my computer is such that that's not always possible. Okay. There's no way this movie wasn't written in like 2008. There's an entire mm. crucial exchange about Die Hard being a Christmas movie and another about Baby It's Cold Outside being creepy. Kudos to whoever did punch up on it and got money to just plagiarize a bunch of old jokes, though. <laughs> I truly I truly agree with the determination that this movie, the script for this movie has probably been bouncing around for about 10 years. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was very, like... It's very odd that people were still treating it as, like, I feel like it has widely now been accepted to the point of, like, people being obnoxious about the idea of Die Hard being a Christmas movie. It's not, but I'm also not willing to fight with people about it anymore. <laughs> like, Oh, you are just... in team it's not a Christmas movie. Interesting. No, it's not. To be a Christmas movie, Christmas has to be important to the movie. We are not having this conversation. <laughs> You could set Die Hard. You could set Die Hard at literally any holiday, and it would not make a difference. Um, but anyway, anyway, point, sidestepping that one. Yeah. So it it really, I think the movie absolutely does feel like it was written in like two thousand five to two thousand and eight, and then the like jokes and things they didn't really bother to like look critically at the jokes and be like, do people still think this is funny? Mm. Well, and it's um, funny you bring up the baby that's cold outside, because I actually thought that was one of the movie's most charming moments, is when... Oh. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. 
they uh so uh Natalie goes um caroling with Josh's family and one and they go caroling at an assisted living center and one of the residents requests baby it's cold outside and um while Josh's brother and sister-in-law are totally up for jumping in Josh basically says no we've got this Natalie starts to protest given the content of baby it's cold outside but Josh um ad-libs new lyrics that are all about consent Oh yeah, no, I loved that scene, and we we had already had a kind of establishing scene earlier in the movie where Natalie is like, "How can you like that song? It's super creepy." Like we we have that discussion, and then so when the resident requests it, the we the audience are always like, "Oh no, what's going to happen?" But yeah, then it just turns into this very cute, funny moment. Um, also, that whole scene was a plus because Harry Shim Jr. got to like fully let out his glee. Oh my god! Uh, and I thought that that was any let Harry Shum Jr. sing. It's great, right? It's so much fun, right? Yeah, I I have to say I really appreciated that Harry Shum Jr. and um I think it's Michaela Hoover who played his wife. They like they understood the assignment. Of being Josh's overbearing, attention-hogging older brother. Um, But ultimately, but ultimately, like, very protective. I mean, I I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Owen is very used to being the center of attention. Like, that is very clear. Um, But also, he's the one who's kind of like, something about Natalie doesn't smell right, and is kind of operating on a very, like, protective of my little brother sort of way which i thought was very cute yeah and i appreciated that you know the movie kind of balanced that like it was never like he was just an overbearing twat um like he definitely like it was clear he does also care about his brother um which i appreciate but i just enjoyed like it almost felt like harry shoe jr was in like adult high school musical and i was here for it Mm Hmm. Oh yeah, this movie has strong glee energy. Yes. Yes. So um, this is very interesting because it actually sounds like you liked this movie more than I did, which is I so shocking. you sent me you sent me a text that made me very worried about this movie. <laughs> um but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty cute. Um I thought Nina Dobrev was charming. Um, I, there, there were a few very cringeworthy moments, but also part of what I appreciated about it was that like, as soon as the movie starts, you know, pretty, you know, every story beat that's about to happen in this movie. Like it does not stray from its prescribed path literally ever. And for me, that was a plus in this case, because it meant that I could get through the very, very cringy scenes. Because I knew where I was coming out the other side. Like, all of the, like, sort of embarrassing moments that Natalie has, all of the moments where you're like, oh no, oh, this is going to be very, very bad. For me, I was like, but if I can just power through this, I know the ending is going to be cute as heck. And then it was. So, (laughs) well, I mean, the problem is, is I feel like if you take out those, like, two or three moments, it's such a stronger movie. And I, I mean, I literally, 
pugged and covered, by which I mean I clutched <laughs> my pug to be like, no, I don't want to see this. And barely listened to those moments because I was like, ooh, full body cringe. Do not like. Um, so so which moments which moments killed you? Which moments killed uh, you dead? Especially the the whole scene at the engagement party at the end. I I just could not. I could not. The problem, see, but I think the problem is that we do need that scene because we do need Natalie to have a reckoning with the fact that she has she has been lying to these very nice people. And also, I think it's important that she has to face up to the fact that what she's been doing to tag, like pretending to eat meat, pretending to be into like climbing and outdoorsy stuff that he is in order to forge a connection with him is not that dissimilar to what Josh did to her. And I do think we need to have like that sort of confrontational moment in order to put her and Josh back on equal footing. Yeah, and I did appreciate that it, it wasn't like a Sarah Burgess moment where you're like, but but why are you lying to the very nice... I'm just going to call him Peter because he is Peter. Uh, Noah Centineo. Yeah, like I did appreciate that it was not just like, yeah, why why are you lying to the nice Noah Centineo? You know, like there was some balance there. But I just, especially the part where like Tay came up with his parents, I just, oh, I just could not. Um, yeah. Um, that, that was rough for me. Um, and I think, too, it was rough because, like, some of the moments that weren't cringy but were just funny, like the scene where she goes rock climbing, um, Josh talks her through rock climbing to impress Tag, and and I thought Nina Dobrev had some really good, like, physical and, like, facial comedy about, like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 um, hmm? And I, I just wish the movie had leaned more into that because that was actually like I actually laughed at that. Um, but I, I kind of think it's all. I kind of think those are the same. I don't think you get the climbing scene without the reckoning scene. Yeah, Cause the climb because the climbing scene is part of her um, facade for Tag. Like she has never climbed anything in her life, but she is again trying to forge this connection with him so she pretends to be into climbing so that's where we get that scene like it's all it it becomes a very j stacked jenga tower of like fictions everyone is telling each other and at some point we do have to have the big like and now all the truths are coming out from everyone yeah i guess <laughs> just like the fact that it was a big party with the whole audience where you know Tag brought her up and introduced his parents. Like, it was just, like, so maximalist. It, that was a little much for me. And, you know, I'm usually all for maximalism. But that... And for me... Yeah. But that also did feel very accurate to the characters of Josh's parents, who have been so extra the whole movie. <laughs> like, I totally bought that they would throw... um. You know, for people that live in Lake Placid, New York, I was like, these are Midwestern parents. <laughs> um, but yeah, that like they would meet this girl. They've never heard of her before, but they are so happy for their son 
that when he spontaneously proposes, they're like, you know what? Yes, we are all in. And to show that, like, this is... They're extra about so many things that throwing that party spur of the moment, I was like, yeah, I get this. Um, My understanding for my friends from upstate New York is that upstate New York is basically the Midwest. Um, Fair enough. Which also leads me to say, like, why was there, like, rain and no snow? Like, my understanding is that upstate New York gets a lot of snow. Like, I mean, I think the, the real answer is probably that when they filmed it, it wasn't snowing. <laughs> Well, I'm but also... the inverse answer might be global warming. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> um, well, and I'm sure they filmed it in like Canada or a studio in Atlanta, you know. But yeah. um, but yeah, I was like, I'm pretty like, why is there like right? I don't know. Then again, I was also the Chicago Christmases I have done have made me go, what on earth? There, there's a green Christmas in Chicago. What is happening? I just, my understanding of upstate New York is that there's a lot of snow. So, I was like, what? Uh, anywho, that is neither here nor there. Um, I yeah. mean, some fake snow, I think, would have would have dusted this movie with a little bit more whimsy. I think that that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, if it's really going for, like, the hallmarky Christmas, small town Christmas vibe, like, you need some snow. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it, it, it was hard for me to get past those cringe moments. I just could not. Um, speaking of cringe moments, another character I definitely cringed at that we need to get back to is, uh, or Natalie, sorry, I almost said Nina, because her name is Nina Dobrov. Um, Natalie's best friend, Carrie. Uh, yes. Which I was, yeah. This was another very, like, mid-aughts convention, the, like, brassy boisterous larger than life kind of over the top um best friend who is also the like instigator in everything i i struggled very much because on the one hand i do love this character archetype (laughs) like there was like i enjoyed carrie but also i was over it oh does that make sense oh yeah like she she has no purpose in this movie except to be the like oh uh-uh, girl um on the other end of the phone for Nina and it or for not see now I'm doing it for <laughs> Natalie and it's like could we give this character some kind of inner life or like personal motivation <laughs> well and it was like I just looked up and did confirm it is not the exact same actress but it just reminded me of do you remember that I think it's from 2007 rom-com with um drew barrymore and hugh grant music and lyrics yes yes it reminded me like this character was copied and pasted from drew barrymore's sister's character in music and lyrics when did music and lyrics come out i want to say it's like 2007 so yeah Yeah, it's the same mold it's the same mold exactly i am shocked genuinely Ab- yep, 2007. I am absolutely shocked that is not the same actress. Because she looks so much alike. Well, and this movie is definitely committing the sin of, rather than having ideas of its own, it is just kind of a pastiche of other stuff. Right. Um, the, it, is, it is a movie that I will say that at the end of it... 
I I enjoyed my time with it. Is it a good movie? I don't know that I would go that far. Is it a movie that I enjoyed watching? Yes. Um, I think the Christmas elements of it are doing a lot of heavy lifting for me. I am, I'm a sucker for a Christmas movie. Um, I'm a sucker for Christmas, like just in general. And I thought that Nina Dobrev and Jimmy Yang were very cute. Uh, Jimmy Yang's character, Josh, you find out like his big ambition. He wants to start a small business making and selling candles for men. Which is another very mid-aughts kind of like everything has to be for men. Um, But also the scents that he is mixing sound pretty legit. Well, and I like the idea of him being like, you know, men, men will love candles if they are marketed to them correctly um mm-hmm. i think that's clever um yeah i feel like i mean i am sure if we searched etsy there would be like a million of these i actually oh yeah and i actually think that what the candle market has been doing because i i do think that a scented candle has become like a very in thing recently i think the the um the branding for them has just become very gender agnostic Mm. like the candle that i am burning right now is called bookshop and it's in a brown glass uh brown glass jar with a very like modern simple tan label with white lettering like this is not a gendered Mm. anyone could buy this candle and I think that that is sort of where where the candle market has been going. But I think Josh was on to something. And I loved that he was mixing sort of emotive scents. Like he makes one that reminds him of his grandfather. Yeah, that was Which I cute. thought was very cute. Alright. Um, trying oh, to find out. I was going to say, I'm trying to find out when. Have you ever encountered, speaking of book scented candles. Like, have you, when did, have you ever encountered Frostbeard Studio? I have not. What is that? All right. So they were founded in 2012. Okay, 2012. I just wanted to know when. So they do um, book-themed candles. Okay. Um, And they actually, their studio is um, in my brother's neighborhood in Minneapolis, which is why I feel like, weirdly, I heard about them before they started showing up places. But, um, yeah. But yeah, they do, and their design is very just, like, graphic and simple. And I wanted to know what year they started, because I'm like, ooh, when did this part of the trend start? The answer, 2012. So, yep, so yep, oh, yeah, you're totally right. I love, I, I have started now whenever I work in my office, so if I'm, like, working from home or recording with you or running D&D or whatever, I will now always have a scented candle burning just because I like the ambiance that it gives. Mm. So that may be something that may be the reason why I was so endeared to Josh. Yeah. And I think that, so I did appreciate that the movie was very clear that the only thing he lied about was his picture. I think that gives us a lot more sympathy um, that, you know, he's really not deceiving her in any other way. Um, I think that helped because, yeah, I think that, um, and though I think actually the term catfishing is maybe like a little strong, um, 
it is it is in this case because yeah you're right like he and they have a whole conversation about how he um is using the photo because he was like when i tried using my own photos like i didn't get any hits and you know i'm not because like he's like i i described him as being nerdy cute he is i think he's i think he's cute like this is a this is an actor so he's not going to be like a horrible monster person right um i also enjoyed that the pictures he took for himself were meant to be outdoorsy but they showed him with all sorts of equipment that like could be used for murder so. I truly, I truly loved the scene where he and Natalie are going through his old pictures and she's like, people weren't turning you down because you aren't hot. They were turning you down because you look like a murderer. <laughs> yeah, I, that one cracked me up. That was a good, that was a good bit. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's a good point. I actually kind of enjoyed the movie's commentary on like the world of online dating because your initial impression of somebody, like whether you swipe right or left, is always based on that first photo. Right. So there is always going to be just a gut reaction of, does this look like a person that I could connect with? Um, which is something that I don't think is, I don't think that is necessarily bad because... For me personally, and I also understand that this is not a universal experience, you know, attraction is a spectrum and, you know, people have all sorts of motivations for who they connect with and why. But if I think you look like a murderer, I'm not going to pursue connection with you. <laughs> so, you know, have, making the distinction between like, lying about your photo versus exaggerating your interests versus just plain lying about what you like was kind of more nuanced than I expected from a movie about online dating and romantic connection. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, I think it was a smart, like, because, yeah, my, you know, comparing it to the various versions of, like, Roxanne that we've seen, I, I think it was a smart choice to make it you know, one really superficial different, and, you know, to make the point clearly that, like, while Josh had a superficial thing he was lying about, like, Natalie is lying about some fundamental things to tag. It also makes it, I think, even more important that Natalie has her, like, come-to-Jesus moment in front of everybody, because I do think that her sins are greater than Josh's, and I think the movie needs to enact that measure of balance in order for them to believably be able to get together in the end. Because otherwise, I think that we as the audience are going, but she used him to get closer to this hot guy that she then lied about in order to... Like, her her behavior is worse in this movie than Josh's is. So I think she needs to atone more than he does. I don't know. Just the... Just that it happens, like, so... I guess I would have been... Like, if it had been her and Josh hanging out in, like, a cycle of revelations, I think it would have been more comfortable to take. It just... It was a lot. And it, it just brought me out of it, because I was so, like, oh, God. <laughs> well, and normally... Normally, I don't enjoy cringe of any kind. Um... 
this movie was just so predictable that I was like, all right, I know how this is going to go. Let's just get through it and let's get through it so we can get out the other side and get back to the cute stuff. Yeah. And I mean, again, I like could calculate how long to hide under my pug and be like, oh, okay, it'll be over soon. Yeah. But yeah, it was just it was a lot. That was a lot. Um, I, I would also like to talk for a moment about Lee, her boss. Oh, yeah. So he is this kind of metro, he is this very driven, gay, what kind of magazine does she write for? Do we ever really find out? The the take I got from the branding was I assumed it was like a BuzzFeed send up of like trendy online, you know, what's hip and happening. Yeah. So her her editor is this guy who's like always... He's always laying into her for his next article and like supports her going supports her going across the country because he thinks it's going to make a great disaster story. What was inexplicable to me is that he and Carrie both end up being invited to the engagement party. Yes. And I fully did not understand how that had happened. Right. Like how did like there were so many questions of like. Okay, so if they track down her boss, they know what she does. And how like did they she, know? Yeah. She makes a big deal about the fact that she writes under a pseudonym. So, oh, like, you yeah, cannot. Right. Yeah, you can't Google Natalie Bauer and find her disaster dating column. But if that is true, how do they know who her boss is? Right, because I don't think she mentions, like, what she does. Someone may make an offhand comment about Facebook, but, like, that's not enough here. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, Um, that was very odd. Yeah, and then from there, like, how would they know Carrie was her best friend? Yeah. So, Lee is, like, sending her texts all the time, like, where are my pages? We meet him at one point riding an exercise bike in his office. Like, he is a very, um, he is the... Did you watch Shrill? I couldn't get through it. But did you watch a couple episodes? Did you see enough of it to see Lindy's boss? No, I the think Lindy I just... character's boss? No, I think I just got through the first, first episode. Okay. Well, there's a scene in that where he is riding an exercise bike while he's talking to the Lindy West character. Mm. And, like, that is this character. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, and then... Natalie herself, I think, is has a lot of DNA shared with Sarah Jessica Parker from Sex and the City. So, like, there is a lot of other things lending their shorthand, I think, to this movie. Um, I don't remember what point I was building up to. Oh, just that her boss was like... He shows up on an exercise bike to ask where his story is, and then at the end, like, dispenses the wisdom that she needs to get the perspective on the fact that she's actually falling in love with Josh. And I was like, I don't know that I needed this character. Yeah, I also don't know that it's realistic that, you know, people working in media in 2021 would be able to afford last-minute cross-country trips. Like, that feels very mid-aughts. Yeah, I have no idea how hard it is to fly to Lake Placid. Um, there are some places in this in this country that are very hard to fly to. Um, and I just, I don't know. 
Because she clearly didn't go through, like, a New York City airport. Right. She's flying directly there. So I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. Also, it is a town of 2,000. I did not realize it was so small. All of my experience with Lake Placid is related to the Crocodile movie. So I don't know anything about it. Wait. Crocodile movie? Oh, yeah. There's a disaster movie about a lake that is full of this giant crocodile, like man-eating crocodile. Oliver Platt's in it. It's it's a a giant monster movie. I like it very much, but it's very stupid. Um, Well, I did learn that Lake Placid has access to two small regional airports, so. Oh, fabulous. But those flights are not cheap, I am sure. And Look at you doing your research. She also lives in California. LA? Question mark? Undefined? LA. LA, I think. So maybe, I mean, she's she's probably making peanuts working for the magazine, but she is making LA peanuts. I don't know. I it's don't dumb. Know. That's one of those things where I'm like, I can't look at this too hard. Yeah, because that's... I want to preserve the amount of enjoyment that I received <laughs> from it. Yeah, I mean, I just yeah, bringing back up like all the ways in which this movie has some like DNA of the aughts, like. That that is that was a off lingering question over Carrie Bradshaw was how on earth does she afford this lifestyle? How does she how does she afford this apartment? Yeah, yeah, and all these Manola Blahniks. Um, so kind of a similar similar question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else we are thinking about? I cried at the end. Oh. Just a little bit. See, this is what I'm saying. Like, I am such, I am such a sap for a holiday-themed romantic ending. Like, that is such catnip for me that I don't know there was a world in which I did not at least superficially enjoy this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But when she does her little, I don't even like that scene in Love Actually, but it still makes me cry. Like, the... The guy from The Walking Dead holding up the signs. Oh for yeah, when his mom was like, "This is the best scene," I was like, "No, this is literally it's the tr- worst scene in Love Actually." It's truly not. Like it's it's very bad, but also speaking as a Love Actually apologist, like I, oh yeah, like I'm right yeah, there with you. Yeah, like come on, this is the worst storyline of Love Actually. Um, I am somebody that deeply loves Love Actually, but will make no apologies for it because there are parts of it that are very bad. Um, but do I still love watching it? Of course I do, because I'm I'm not a monster. <laughs> um, it is a good problematic fave. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I just I thought it was very cute um, when she stands outside the house with the the cardboard signs that worked for me. Um, I did think that I, oh, also I enjoyed that when we find out when, when, uh, Josh's family finds out that he has been lying to them about Natalie, they're not mad at him. I really enjoy, I really appreciated that just from like, uh, oh, his family knows him way better than he thinks they do. Hmm. Well, and I did like there was a like undercurrent of um 
he thinks that, you know, they all see him as this total, like, you know, met screw up. Sorry, I was trying to think of a, a non-curse word there that Pete would not have to bleep out. Um, I appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Uh, you know, <laughs> that he thinks they all see him as, like, a complete screw-up and, like, kind of useless compared to his brother. And, like, it turns out, no. Like, they've been they've been seeing him all along and, and want him to push himself. Yeah, when his when his dad finds out that he likes making scented candles, his dad's just like, you're really good at this. I love this for you. Yeah, he's just like, oh, good, I'm glad you have, like, other interests than our store. Like, fabulous. Yeah, because you're really bad at selling sporting equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought James Saito did very good work in this movie. Oh, he did. He, oh, he always does such a good job. Yeah, I particularly liked the scene where it is revealed that this family is so extra about Christmas um, because James Saito's dad was super extra about Christmas, and so they, they stay extra about Christmas to honor him. Yeah, I thought that was very cute. I did, too. I did like that moment. Okay, I am realizing maybe I liked more parts of this movie than I thought, but I still, like, <laughs> my my. I had to watch this movie in two parts. I had to take a break. That's fair. And I, my end feeling, I was so, like, ugh, from that engagement party scene that that kind of superseded my, like, taking in of the enjoyable moments. Totally understandable. All right. Well, do we have any other thoughts about Love Hard? The title is stupid. Yeah. Why that? Should be like love actually, swipe it's right love or actually, something. It's Love Actually plus Die Hard. Oh, I didn't put that together. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should yeah. be like it's Swipe Right or something like that. Yeah, did not love it. Yeah, yeah. That's a dumb title. What would you recommend our listeners watch or read or enjoy post this movie? Yeah, so what this movie actually reminded me of is Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade, um, which also features a little bit of not secret identity, but, well, actually, I guess in this one a little more explicitly secret identity, but, like, a little uh, internet uh, misrepresentation of self. Um, and it features um, Marcus and April. Um, Marcus is an actor who is on basically the equivalent of Game of Thrones. Um, but secretly he posts on fan forums and writes a lot of fan fiction. Um and is super into the fan culture, but, like, obviously can't reveal that because he works on the show and it would get him a lot of trouble. Um, April's also super into um, the fan culture of the show. Um, her, um, she does a cosplay um, that goes viral, and so as kind of a publicity stunt, um, they go out on a date. Um, and it turns out they are uh, fan fiction besties. Um, that April does not know. Um, and hijinks and Sue. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, uh, one thing I love about this book is that it features a fat heroine. 
which I'm always <gasps> here for. Yes. Yes. Love so, it. It's pretty great. So I, yeah, I have a book that is both holiday themed and kind of stretching the truth okay. to win the heart of somebody you think you love, and then finding out that maybe, maybe the correct answer is the one that knows you actually better. Uh, so this book is called My New Crush Gave to Me by Shani Petroff. And is it is about Charlie, who sets out to win the heart of hot guy Teo. Uh, and in order to do that, she enlists the help of JD, Teo's cousin, to help her find the perfect gift for Teo. And also, you know, maybe tell her a little bit about what Teo likes, what he doesn't like. Help her get that inside scoop um, so as she and JD embark on planning the perfect Christmas for Teo, Charlie starts to learn a little bit more about JD and wonders, you know, it's it's the like, the one in front of me was the one all along. But it is Christmas themed. It is very cute. It has great characters. And it is set in high school, but does not give me cringy high school flashbacks. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so My New Crush Gave to Me by Shani Petroff. Woo! Uh, thank you all so much for listening. This has been a delight and a wonderful way to kick off our holiday season. Uh, if you are looking for more of us or similar type show or need more podcast content in your life, you should check out our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework? Which updates on the same feed on alternating Wednesdays. You can check out all of our social media uh, at every place on the feeds we also share with Did You Do Your Homework uh, at DYDYH Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. You can find me personally on all the social medias at Magical Martha, where pretty soon I will be tweeting about all of the holiday movies I'm about to watch starting the Friday after Thanksgiving. Marin, where can people find you? Um, people can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, um, where I mostly tweet about romance novels these days. Because the internet and the world are hellscapes. A little bit. And we're all just doing the best we can. <laughs> exactly. So if you are interested in that, feel free to give me a follow. Fantastic. Um, I also write a newsletter every once in a while, which... You can find at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Uh, my most recent uh, issue was listing all of the horror movies that I watched in October. I watched one every day, except for the day that Dune came out, because then I watched Dune. Uh, and just a quick little note about where I watched them and what I thought of them. They are also ranked in the order that I thought was appropriate. Oh, uh, please, you... please do not, please do not tell me if you agree or disagree with my rankings because I don't care. I was gonna say, can you um, spoil what what came out on top for me? Oh yeah, it was Nightmare on Elm Street because oh. that's the best one. Yeah, that was one I'd seen before. So Nightmare on Elm Street was my number one for movie like for the whole month because it's just it's the best. Um, I would say my favorite of the movies that I had not seen before, which was most of them. Uh, was a 2019 psychological thriller called Daniel Isn't Real, mm. which is about um, a kid's imaginary friend who talks him into doing really horrible stuff. So he locks him away in a little corner of his mind until he grows up, and his creepy imaginary friend grows up into Patrick Schwarzenegger, 
who is very charming and still sociopathic and very, very dangerous. Uh, and he gets out of the little corner of this boy's mind that he was locked into all those years ago. Jeez. Yes, it is very stylish. You can watch it on Shutter, And it's a solid 90-minute, like, get-in-get-out kind of tightly wrapped thriller. So I enjoyed it very much. It also, I think, is a good horror movie for people that aren't necessarily into horror movies. um, Because it is, like, it's it's very creepy, but there are no jump scares. It's not gory. It is just very much like the horrors of this poor kid's own brain. Um, And it looks great. So yeah, that was my that was my number one of the month. Um, I will do the same after I finish watching thirty holiday movies between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Very Ooh. excited about it. Yeah, holiday cheer. Yes, I believe that is all for us. We will be back in two weeks uh, with our next film. And until then, thank you for listening, and just remember that we love you. That was fun. Woo, we did it.